Hello and welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. This show is all about giving you a weekly shot of spiritual nourishment through a casual conversation over a cup of coffee about something meaningful. This week on the show, I sat down with Reverend Robin King and we discussed our relationship with money. What creates value? What makes a community a place that a person would want to live? How do we as groups of faith add value to those communities through our presence, through our programming, and through the work that we do, and how do we invite people to invest in and support that work that we're doing. There's a lot to talk about here, so get comfortable, grab a coffee, and thank you again for joining us. Welcome back on the show, Robin. Thanks for joining me this morning for a cup of coffee and what I know is going to be a great conversation. So, just to talk about coffee for a second before we get into oh, the brass tacks of dollars and cents and talking about money. Um, the we're coffee, talking about money? Well, yeah, we're going to talk about okay. money today. But first, we're going to talk about coffee for a second. This uh, coffee that you're about to enjoy uh, comes from one of the several places in Basha where you can get a fine cup of coffee these days. Um, this is coffee brewed or roasted, sorry, um, at meeting place coffee roasters and, and cafe just mm-hmm. just uh, just down the street on main street basha and it's a i'm just going to grab the bag here guatemalan tribine you can read it from there okay yeah guatemalan tribine organic rainforest alliance coffee beans that's, that's a mouthful that's yeah a delicious a mouthful, mouthful of goodness yes so and the reason i bring that up is that um since the last time we recorded, we've a new a new place, a coffee place has opened up in Basha, and in fact, uh, a third cafe on Main Street has opened up this summer. So now there are all kinds of great places that you can check out if you're in the Basha area or live in town and are interested in a really good cup of coffee. So the Noble Fox is the one new restaurant. It's a Mexican restaurant that has a they do uh, espresso drinks and lattes and cappuccinos and all that as well and their beans are also really good they get their beans from a place in calgary that i won't name but it's really good um and then uh the the new place just north of there across from the post office is called the other place coffee takeout cafe or something like that Mm -hmm. and i haven't tried their coffee yet have you I haven't actually. Okay. I know people have though, and they like dropping. It in looks there, really yeah. cute though the way they've. It's nice, yeah. Yeah, fixed the place up, and it's. I love seeing people invest in businesses and in storefronts that make our main street look nice, and it's, it's tough in a small community to do that, and there's a lot of risk involved, financial risk, but we get to benefit from having all these wonderful places. Well. That actually, it's funny though that you started with that and then said, then we'll talk about the other thing because this actually does it relate to the it. other thing. Oh. Yeah. Um, that what's, what's the real value, right? Yeah. Like yeah. if you're, if you're opening a place in Basha, you're, you're, you're not opening a place where you're going to get ridiculously rich really fast. It's a small town. Um, and, uh, but, but there are lots of people I, the last little while. There've been quite a few people who said they moved to Basha because, you know, they used to live in a big city. Um, and they used to work a job where they were working like day after day after day after day. And, and yeah, they were making good money, but you know, it's more expensive to live in the city. The lifestyle's, uh, more intense. It's more, mm-hmm. uh, it's busier. Um, yeah, there's more stuff to do, but then you kind of find yourself not doing that stuff that you'd really like to do because you're so busy doing the stuff you have to do in order to make the money that you're going to get to do the stuff that you want to do. You know what I mean? Or to pay for your 
six hundred thousand right. dollar right. tiny yeah. little home in the city. And it's not even it's not even so much that and and I would tell you this as somebody who grew up in the city and lived in the city for a long time, and then was uh, a minister in a smaller town. Um, I think people sometimes have the idea that, oh, well, you know, it's life is slower and there's less to do. Yeah. That's not actually entirely true. It's different. Um, It's different and in many ways um, more rewarding because your time is spent uh, engaging people more, I think. Um, But it's, it's a different, it's a different kind of thing. Um, And, and, there's where the question of value comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioning people moving here to Basha specifically f- because they want to live in a smaller community or or they're looking for a lower cost of housing, for example, or whatever it might be. What's interesting to me about that is that it's not just one single demographic that that's happening. With. That's true. I've, I know of young families that have made that choice for the reasons you just listed and seniors and... Um, people who might be struggling just with either mental health or other reasons why they're not able to have a large income and they need affordable housing. So there's many different demographics that are shifting. I Personally, I would love to see um, a massive shift across our whole country where people realize the quality of living in rural communities and start to repopulate rural. But we still seem to be on a trend towards... But then they'll come here, Ben. I know, but wouldn't that be a good thing? But then we'll be bigger. Think how many people could come to our church. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, uh, no, I. <laughs> I How's think, that for a second? Well, this is why. This is why I. I uh, and sometimes people don't realize that I actually mean this in the most complimentary way possible. But I often refer to Bashaw, for instance, and and I think Pinocchio is too, kind of in a, in a, in its own way. Island of misfit toys. Right, it's a place where you end up with a really interesting assortment of people from different uh, different backgrounds, different places in their lives, different uh, ages, and and everything. And and somehow it works. Yeah, and it works great. Actually, they they all seem to interact and care for each other, and 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 it works great. Um, not flawlessly or perfectly or anything, but it works great. And then there are sometimes small towns which they just start getting smaller and smaller and smaller until they disappear. Yeah, because. Um, because nobody goes there except the people who've always lived there and you know that kind of that kind of thing and and that's not to say that that's that's i mean that that's too bad that's sad because i think if more people engaged like you say more um a more not even not even necessarily uh rural as in acreage but rural as in small town um lifestyle i think they'd probably find that there's a lot of value in it. It's yeah. not the same as obviously as living in a big city, but there's a lot of value in it. Maybe one of the factors there is that if you're just going to choose to go somewhere new, or if you're um, an immigrant into into Canada or into Alberta, um, if you don't already know somebody or don't have a job lined up, the obvious choice is, well, I have to go somewhere that's big enough that there's lots and lots of opportunities mm-hmm. For someone who doesn't know anybody, doesn't have any connections, if you were just driving by on the highway and passed by Basha, if you blinked, you'd you could miss it. It's so you, there's not much to see from the highway that if you didn't know a little bit mm-hmm. about the community, 
Yeah. Um, Pinocchio is a little bit different because there are, you know, some built up businesses and industrial areas that are right along the main highway there, along Highway 2. And mm -hmm. it's a bit, bit bigger of a community. There are also some things in that community that are specific to that community for which people come from other yeah, places totally. for. So they know it for those things, yeah. like the uh, the Centennial Center, the big hospital, psychiatric hospital there, the Pinocchio Stampede, all those kind of things. So, but um, yeah, it's it's challenging either way, whether you're creating a life in a small town uh, or in the big city. Well, it's, and, and it, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's funny to say that, that, um, we have such a, such a mixture of like a different demographics, right? Um, people from different, uh, different backgrounds, different places in their lives, all that kind of thing. Um, it's not just about different ages. Um, and, and sometimes it's people who are, are young, but have perhaps have some issues, um, mental health issues, for instance, where, where, um, they're looking somewhere that's inexpensive to live. The unfortunate thing about living in a place like Bashaw, which is perhaps less expensive to live than a major center is that if you don't have transportation, you aren't going anywhere from here. Yeah. which is it's a great thing then that Bashaw has all of the services that it has which are actually significant for a town this small um but uh, it, it then you get you get older people who you, you know that used to be you you stayed at one job your whole life and then you retired mm -hmm. right and now people have two three four careers diff or do different things um and and uh, but we still have this sort of mindset that you have to make enough money that you can retire and then live comfortably. And so, you know, people might have a really good job, get to 55 and decide they're going to retire to a small town, which is super. That's great. They can afford to do that. So you get this interesting mixture of people who can, quote unquote, afford to retire to a small town and people who simply can't afford to live in the big city. Um, yeah. You also get this interesting mixture of people who um, they might have gone to a city looking for jobs, thinking there was more opportunities there, didn't find something, and then somehow lucked into a job in a little town in the middle of nowhere kind of thing. You know, those kind of things too. So it, it, you get this really interesting mix. One of the reasons I think that really works in Bashaw is because its location is kind of, it's it's like it's half an hour from a bunch of other larger yeah. centers um, one of which is one or two of which are significantly larger. Um, and then the others are a bit larger. Um, but then it also meets the needs of the people who live around it. Right. So it's, you have this interesting combination of people who will come into town from, from, um, the rural area around it yeah. and the people who live in the town who will go to the bigger centers to work. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of, again, and that's just a really a interesting mixed dynamic. And, but to me, um, and this is, this is finally where it relates to what we were going to talk about today, <laughs> what we thought we were going to talk about okay. today and see it's, well, this is a great thing about doing something like this, right? Is that you, uh, you find that what you are going to talk about actually relates to so many other things. Um, the, the thing about the thing about, I think why a lot of people and hmm, a lot of people, I was going to say a lot of people end up here. Um, I don't mean that. <laughs> Why people Although choose here. I'm sure there are people who end up here, but there are people who choose to be here because uh, the value of being here is is not simply based on their ability to financially afford it, mm. right? Mm -hmm. um, that's definitely going to be a factor, though, which kind of relates to the whole, um, you know, money doesn't buy you happiness, right? Yeah. No, actually, that's completely wrong. Money can buy you happiness. It absolutely can buy you happiness. I think that thing that it, it's just it's not wrong. It's flawed. 
it because of how we understand it's it. incomplete what we understand is that having a lot of money and simply working to acquire money doesn't make you happy that is true however if you have money how you spend it may very well bring you happiness which is kind of what it, how it relates to the the um there's this it's it's the it's the parable nobody likes to talk about um, it's the the story uh jesus tells this story about the it, it, and depending on they emphasize depending on which version of or which translation you read they emphasize different aspects of the parable in the title they give it sometimes it's given the title of the dishonest manager <laughs> sometimes it's given the title of the shrewd manager as if one or the other of those is better or worse right but the story is basically Jesus tells a story about um, uh, a land, a wealthy landowner who discovers that uh, his manager's been been cooking the books and and goes to fire him, and so the manager goes around to all of the people that owe money to the the wealthy landowner and he says, "Okay, so your bills, uh, your bills for a hundred of this, um, rewrite it for fifty. And then he goes to the next guy and he says, so your bill is for like 20 of these? Well, rewrite it for 10. And, and so he keeps going to all the people that owe the... His plan, of course, is that by doing that, once he's fired by the manager, he'll have friends that he could go and ask for money or that he could go and work for, right? Because he doesn't want to end up, you know, living on the street or, you know, having to beg, or, you know, that kind of thing. And so, so he goes around and does all this. Well, the landowner finds out that he did that and commends him for being shrewd. So it starts out with the manager's dishonest, and then it gets to the point where it says the landowner commends him for being shrewd. It doesn't say he rehires him, by the way. Um, just he to be just clear, compliments him on the he way just the compliments door. him as he's going out the door for being shrewd on how he handled that. And somehow Jesus gets to uh, gets to saying. Um, you can't serve two masters, right? It's the famous right. you can't serve yeah. money and God. So what's this parable about? And and it, it is one of those, truly one of those parables where uh, there's probably, you, you might hear hundreds of different explanations of what it's all about. Um, and each one explores different nuances in the in the text, right? Mm -hmm. Because of course, the language of the text is, you know, it's uh, for and, and, interpretation. And, yeah, and 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 that's that's all fascinating. I don't care. So, what does um, it mean to you? What do you? What it means to me is, what it means to me is that 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 uh, if you were to have said, I bet if you were Jesus, I, see, this is one of those moments where I think Jesus says something like that. It's reported in one of the Gospels that Jesus said this. And then they move on to the next thing Jesus said. And they leave out that big block of probably hours that the disciples went, wait a minute. And had discussion. What the hell does that mean? Yeah. Can you explain more? Say more, Jesus. Like, tell us more, because we don't I don't understand that. Yeah. Or one of at least one of the disciples saying, That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Um and uh, sorry, I think that was actually a line from Godspell, as it happens. Um, <laughs> but uh which does actually tell that story, um, but uh, it's 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 to me it's one of those moments where if you look at like the little individual details, you can easily get lost in the little nuances of the thing, when perhaps the big picture is meant to draw your attention to something that Jesus didn't actually say out loud, and and to me, um, what this parable is about is about your relationship with money. It's not about money's bad. Yeah. So. Um, it, so let's let's be clear. 
uh, first off, of a couple of things. Churches are allowed to talk about money. I don't mean talk about money in the way that televangelists talk about money, as in give me your money. So that I can buy a jet. Right. Uh, I don't mean that. I don't mean the prosperity gospel guys who say you should give me your money because I'm supposed to be prosperous as a fine example to you so that you'll be prosperous. I don't mean that. I don't mean give your money to the church because it's the church. That's the problem Mm -hmm. is that we've always, we've always, we've always talked about money badly. It's not that we talk about it all the time, by the way. And if you ask people who regularly attend church, they will probably say to you, Oh, you're going to talk about money again. Well, we don't talk about money all the time, which is part of the problem. But the other problem is we talk about it horrendously badly. We talk about it in terms of you should want to give your money to the church because it's the church. You're giving it to God. You're giving it to God. You're giving it to the, you're giving it to God's representation, which is the church. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't, people don't want to do that anymore. There was probably a time when they did. Because they understood it was important to give to the church because the church, I don't know, it does stuff, but it's important that it... And, it was and just now, what you do. Uh, now people want to know what you're doing with that. Yeah. They want to know where their money's going. As they should. And, and it's not just a question of, again, just to be really clear about that, I don't believe for a minute that it's just a question of, I want to know where my money's going because it's my money. I think it's a question of people want to know where their money's going because they want to give it to something that's going to do good. Mm-hmm. Because that makes them feel good, right? And there's the, that's the thing about the relationship with money is, first of all, I think Jesus wants people to know that um, money for the sake of money is not good. It's, it's, it's wrong, right? It, it, you're treating money if it's an idol and you're treating it as if it's the, the end result of your labor, right, is money. Mm. Um, I, I think Jesus would probably also say... Um, Having having a lot of money and spending it on things that you don't really need probably also isn't a good thing. Um, I, I think Jesus would very definitely say having money and using it to do good things is the, what you want to do. Yeah. Bearing in mind, you don't want to necessarily you don't you don't really want to acquire that money in a bad way, right? Except, hang on, here's this parable where Jesus <laughs> appears to be commending somebody who's dishonest. Right? Commending, or is he kind of, as he's booting him out the door, saying, well played, well played. As in, I think that, that's what's going on clever, here. Clever, very clever. I think, I think Jesus good, is pointing out but clever. that even in, even in all that negativity, even in all that dishonesty, we could learn something from how shrewd that guy was. We mm. could learn something from how he managed the, the money in, uh, in order to benefit. And I, I just have to get all of this out benefit himself. Because I think what Jesus is trying to say is that there's absolutely nothing wrong with, uh, with using your money, your relationship with money being based on, um, what's best for you. As long as you are understanding that best for you means what's at the heart of you. And what's at the heart of you is, remember, we're created in the image of God. What's at the heart of you is inherently good. If what's best for you is what Jesus understands is best for you, which is to do good and to share uh, with others, mm-hmm. um, that's what will bring you happiness. And that's where that's where the saying money can't buy you happiness is, is actually wrong, because it can. If you your relationship with money is such that um, you are you are gathering it 
uh, in a in a an, or earning it in a positive and meaningful way, and you are then sharing it in a positive and meaningful way, of course it can bring you happiness because as ultimately, a as a tool, it will bring you happiness. Money, if by and of itself, will not. Yeah. Just having a lot of it will not help you in any way. Um, in fact, um, I'm, I'm sure that G if Jesus, if Jesus had continued, if we'd had this conversation con reported, to, you know, like if it had continued, um, instead of just stopping it, here's the end of this, this story. Um, Jesus at some point probably would have said something like, um, if you if you uh, are just living to make money, collecting money, and like rolling around in it like Scrooge McDuck, um, <laughs> that that is not going to bring you happiness at all. Um, that's only going to bring you disconnection from everyone else. What you need, what you need to do with it, is what brings you connection with others, what brings you um, interaction with others, what brings care and love being mm -hmm. shared with others. And I, I think that's what he means by serving God. Right. Serving this, the serving two masters thing. It's interesting because. It makes me think about just mindfulness and meditation, um, which I've been exploring a lot the last several months, and how impossible it is to be mindfully focused on multiple things at the same time. It's just impossible. You, you can't mm -hmm. do it. You're either focused on the moment and you're present, or you're distracted and you're you're in your head and you're in your lost right. in your thoughts. Multitasking Try as a mechanical do action is doable, but as a value action, not really. Exactly. Yeah. That's so well said. And I think our culture has applauded people who are able to multitask and do six different things at the same time and be allow yourself to be distracted by your phone and by your emails while at the same time as you're trying to make supper and listen to your kids tell you about their day at school and and it's like at the end of that, which, like, were you really focused on? Yeah, what if you retained from that? What are, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What value did you get yeah. from any of those things just because you tried to do stack them all on top of each other? And so focusing on money as the object or as the goal, at the, the end goal, like you said, it's pretty empty when you take away everything else. And mm -hmm. so to to serve or be focused on both that and God or in other words, living out your inherent goodness and love right. that's in all of us, like, you just can't. You can't do both at the same time. It's it's kind of one or the other. But, like you said, I love how you, you phrased it, um, the money is still valuable in doing God's work or in living out your love. You're going to need money along the way to do right. To do a lot of those things. And, like I think about someone like my uh, my Uncle Tim was a lot like Jesus in in uh, your description of him. He, as you were telling the story, I thought of how my Uncle Tim was very um, shrewd, I guess you could say. He was, he was conservative with his money, but at the same time, he was like so over-the-top generous with things. Like he wouldn't be wasteful of money or... or lust for money or wealth just for the sake of it, but he worked hard and he was extraordinarily, like extravagantly generous with his belongings, with his mm -hmm. time, with his money. And it strikes me as Jesus was like that too. He wasn't all about money. He wasn't all about, you know, having fancy things. Um, but he, 
was generous with his with the things that really mattered with love with his time with focusing on people yeah well and and even uh, just as you were you were saying that too i was thinking that that here's well here's the thing first of all we say money um because that's the that's our uh um what we use to a currency yeah it's our currency would be a better word actually even for in this the context of this story because i don't think jesus is specifically even just talking about money i think he's also and this is where we get into that this is the part where where churches love to talk about stewardship because stewardship isn't just about money it's about your time and your talents too and unfortunately again i'm sorry but i just think we do that so badly I, there's, it's not wrong. It's absolutely right. I just think we do it so badly. Um, we're afraid to use the word stewardship these days sometimes because it sounds like the first thing that people are going to hear is, you're going to ask me for money. And uh, the second thing they're going to hear is, or you're going to downplay the money side and play up the my talents and time side. And make me sign up for something. And make me sign up for stuff <laughs> um, that I probably don't really want to do or have the time for. And... That's not what stewardship means. I mean, a steward, the origin of the word is the steward was the person who took care of the things that were not theirs, right? Their job was to manage something that was not their own um, and to the best of their ability, right? And and that's actually exactly what we're doing, right? When yeah. you do stewardship, you are meant even stewardship of the earth. It's the, the planet isn't ours. Sorry. It's just not. You can own property all you want, but it's the earth is not yours. Yeah. Um, we're just stewards of it for a time, and then we die off, and then the next person. It's you know. Um, totally. I, I. You just made me think of an interview I did this summer with a farmer in southern Ontario who said it so beautifully. He said, "I'm gonna. I'm not getting this verbatim from what he said, but basically his his statement was, we're just renting, like, and he so he owned some of his land. This farmer." And rented mm -hmm. other pieces of land, like lots of farmers do, have a, a mix. But he said, all of it is just is just rented. We we can't own it. Yeah, we no, I, we we're renting it, and when we when our time here is over, our rent is up, and someone else will take over that rent. We we should probably spend more time listening to farmers, obviously, because I was just as you were saying that I was remembering. Uh, I don't even remember how many years ago this was, but you you did a um, a video for Farmon, I think, but you did a video that had Ted Bulo in it. Yeah, and and I remember Ted distinctly saying exactly that that it, it's just God. This is God's gift. I'm just using it the best I can. Yeah, um, and 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 with the same idea, right? Is that as a steward of the land, you don't own it. That's and right. in fact, part of your job isn't just to use it wisely, but it's to protect it and care for it and nurture it, right? And and so when we talk about stewardship in churches um, or any institution at all, uh, we should be talking about that very thing is uh, some of that takes money, some of that takes time, some of that takes talent, absolutely. But all of that is currency, right? All of that is the, the currency that takes us to the next step, which is um, how we use it. Are we caring for it? Are we nurturing it? Are we protecting it? Are we ensuring its continued uh, uh, nurture? Health right? and well-being. Health and well-being, yeah. so, that, so that when our time as stewards is done, we are able to pass it to the next yeah. steward um, better than we received it. And just like right? the well-being and health of soil or our own bodies, it requires some investment and some effort. Right. So you can call that, you know, and sometimes that's in the form of money, but all of those right. currencies 
are a form of investment in my so mind. You have to invest in yourself by work, you're absolutely m- moving right. your body, uh, exercising, breathing well, drinking enough right. water, eating properly. So, in, in fact, um, stewardship is a living thing, right? Um, in the same way that we are. So, it, to me, this is why... Um, so just as we're saying all of that, of course, then if that's the intention of stewardship, then surely uh, all churches in particular, but any organization or institution, um, if that's the intention of stewardship and we're doing good stewardship, it will last forever. And the thing is, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. Um, because clearly um, there, are, uh, there are instances that no matter how good the stewardship, things die. Right, things live, things die. Cycle. They have a life cycle, and and uh, unfortunately, that happens with some churches. That happens with some towns, as we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, it happens with some towns. It happens with all sorts of things. That there's a, there, it has a lifespan, and it dies. Um, from that death, may well come something else. Yeah. Right. I saw. Th- 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 I know this. This kind of sounds like I'm just just took went off on a tangent but somebody had a meme the other day that said something like um uh we we have this backwards um uh the plants are actually farming us um because when we die they feed us and then when we die we go back to the earth and nurture their health right. um and and i i i almost kind of wish that were so um well, maybe because it it's maybe they'd be better stewards than us um but uh it, it's like it's like the uh um, uh, what's the name? Doug Ad- Douglas Adams, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? Where the the mice were actually um, the laboratory mice were actually testing us. It wasn't it wasn't the other way around. Uh, the other way around. Um, and and maybe maybe that's what we kind of need when we start talking about stewardship is to actually reverse the perspective, right? And 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 see what. Um, what is the value of our, what's the value of our currency? What's it, what's it able to do? Um, and, and consider it from that point of view. Well, it's, it's a little bit like, uh, the, this idea of a, a narrative budget or a narrative, uh, financial report or annual report. And a lot of churches and organizations and nonprofits are moving to, toward telling the story of the work that you're doing rather than just showing you a spreadsheet or a graph or, a, uh, yeah. the numbers. So someone who's not on a board or involved in all the decision-making and, and analyzing financial reports and profit and loss statements and all of that, seeing the numbers once a year doesn't really help a congregation to understand what the challenges are, what the opportunities are, yeah. what needs to be done, and what those dollars are doing. But telling the story of the impact of the social good, of the value that's created out of that stewardship or out of that investment in the facility and the programming and the staffing and all of the things that cost money that can move people and inspire people to want to be part of it or to to continue to to support those things. So our church here in Basha, we've been part of this uh, thing called the halo study that you know more about than I do, but it's, that's kind of an example of that, right? Just kind of investigating what, what value gets created in the community out of the church's presence and, and being there and the programming that that happens through that yeah, church. Yeah, I think, well, the, uh, in fact, the more I think about the Halo thing, the, the more it, uh, and just so we're clear, we're not talking about the game. We're not talking about the, <laughs> the, 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 the yeah, this is completely different. Um, the, the, obviously, the, the term Halo comes from um, the idea that what your 
uh, church does um, has a halo effect in the community, right? Mm-hmm. That it, it, can, it has a wider impact. It contributes to the wider community. Um, and, and, but the more, I th- more I think about it, and, and I'm certainly not, I think this is actually a really good thing because hopefully it will then swing us back towards understanding that there's two sides to this. Um, is it, it's, I think somebody had the idea that so often churches talk about this is our personal value to people. Right, the things that we do in the community, like the narrative budget idea. Right, let's not look at the numbers. Let's look at what it it actually does. Let's what's the what's the um, person impact. Right, um, what things do you do for people in the community? And 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 to me, that's like that's how I I would I definitely approach would approach people in church is that I to say I don't want you to give your money to the church. I want you you to financially support things that are important to you. Is is well uh, is is the spiritual nurture or or uh, experience that you receive on a on a Sunday morning or whatever day of the week you have a service is that meaningful to you? Do, will you financially support that? Um, are the uh, social times that we have, whether that's a coffee time or a like a movie night or a uh, a dinner or stuff, is that important? Because then you you'll want to support that. Um, is the fact that the building is there so that other groups in the community can use it. Is that important to you? Um, is it important to you, and in Bashaw, for instance, is it important to you that the school is able to make use of the church because it's so close and they do theater stuff there? Um, and in, um, in, in Pinocchio, they have really nice, uh, they have a nice big hall that uh, is used by dance groups and things. Uh, is that important to you? Because if it is, you'll want to financially support that. I think that's, that's definitely the way to go. The thing about that is, though, that eventually you get to a point where you're talking about the person impact to uh, or personal impact to people who then want to put a dollar value on it. Mm. Right. So you're not saying if you want to support that, you'll give me 10 bucks. Right. You're saying if you want to support that, you'll want to financially support it as best you are able. And then you have to go another step and say, and when I say as best as you are able... I don't mean from what's left over when you've paid for the stuff that's really important to you. I mean, if it's important enough to you, it will be part of your family budget or your personal budget or however you do your your monthly or yearly yeah, budget, right? Yeah, disposable income. Yeah, it's not just a question of if you have anything left over from the stuff that you really want to spend it on, then you know, it's not that. So how do you ask right? people for that, so though? So how do you do that? I've that's, been thinking that's about this tricky for a long time. Because it, 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 I think it gets, you need to get people to prioritize stuff. And if if it's a big enough priority, like where where is the priority of how you financially support the church if... Um, What's really important to you is that your kids are able to go there for brownies. Right. Followed by your Sunday morning experience. If, if that's the case, by the way, I would suggest that that church definitely needs to look into how it does its Sunday morning experience. Um, but but uh, if that's the priority, then how do you prioritize that versus what you might need to pay for your kid to go to brownies right or do, do you know what i mean yeah or or if your your kids are in dance or hockey or you know other activities where does it get prioritized with those other activities and again though, none of those are cheap and, and none <laughs> of them are cheap you. um then it's getting you into the the uh, the area of what what is you're back in the area of what is the personal value is yeah. it more valuable um to to uh, financially support the church because you, you you need that Sunday morning or that you need the pastoral experience, whatever it is, or uh, um, hockey. <laughs> 
you know, and 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 that's you can't tell people where that is. No, you can't. They need to decide it's for an themselves. Individual choice, right? It's it an also individual brings choice. up the question of value for who, because um, we're selfish beings, and usually right. we'll make our choices based on the value for ourselves, but we also selfishly want to feel good by doing good for others. We, 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 most people get filled but up. See, that's where I think Jesus goes. By, that's a good kind of selfish. It is. Good. When you talk about it's good for me. Yeah. That's what Jesus is talking about. I, I agree. So for most of us, if you're in a position where you're able to, you want to give towards things where you know there's going to be an impact. For sure. So I hear people say, you know, to just give a general donation I don't really know where it's going, but if I'm donating that to something that I know this is having an impact for these people or for kids or for, you know, for the uh, supporting the the summer kids church program or yep. sponsoring a movie night where it's ki- free for the kids to come. So our board's been talking about things like that where people can get creating opportunities for people to to support specific things right. that are not for themselves but for others. Right. But they still feel get to feel yeah. good. By supporting it. And and that gets tricky for some churches too, by the way, because then you're in the realm of doing the work of Jesus without actually mentioning that you're doing the work of Jesus. And sometimes that makes people a little bit nervous, right? They think maybe you should have a prayer before you use the skateboard park um, or, or something right, like right. that, right? And, and for a lot of churches, it, I think more and more it's becoming, no. We just want to help. We just, we just want to do... We just want to to love as Jesus teaches us to love. Yeah. We we don't want to sell them on what our particular belief system is, right? Exactly. Um, and uh, I said that really badly and offensively, but I think you know what I mean. But it can I'm feel sorry, like that. Sorry. Um, but yes, it can. And then we, so we're we're back in that realm of you have to decide what that value is for you, and then you have to put a monetary value on it. And this is where they. It, it swings back the other way with the halo thing, which can I think can actually be really helpful to people when they're thinking about stuff like that. Is what the halo thing study does is it figures out what the financial, like monetary impact on your community is from having a church there. And I don't know how they do that when it comes to things like by having this safe space for people who are, uh, you know, this particular vulnerable sector. Um, they had this safe place, so they didn't uh, go down a, a path of becoming depressed and then eventually leading to suicide. Like, what's the what, what do dollar, dollar value do you that? put right. on a pr- one suicide prevented? Right. I don't so like that's, it's it's absolutely <laughs> or on someone's it's absolutely mental health um, or on it, it's kind of like this, happiness. It's kind of like this parable in a way. It's it has flaws, right? It's not it's not a perfect answer. That's right. Um, and and just just as a reminder, Jesus didn't just tell one parable over and over and over and over again. He told lots, yeah, and different stories to different people. Um, and and I think that's again that's something worth remembering is that there's no. It's like saying uh, money can't buy happiness. That's not true, and yet it is. Right? It's it's flawed. Um, it can. Um, but it also the worship of money. You need to qualify it, right? Yeah. And and that's uh, I think what's kind of tricky. I'm not exactly sure what the formula is. We just provide them with a pile of information. They've come up with some kind of formula, um, um, which I think uh, it it the Canadian version actually comes from an American version, which they spent years coming up with this mm. thing. So um, I'm I uh, am I hope fairly fairly assuming that um, they've tested it mm-hmm. um 
to ensure that the criteria they're using actually is uh, uh, legit and reasonable. So, so right? do we have the results of that? I, I don't think we do yet. yet. No. Um, but um, but I, I the thing about it is that that uh, I I think people are I'm I I think people are genuinely surprised about how much it is. Um, but I think people might also find every now and then that they're genuinely surprised at how much it isn't. Um, and that's the point at which maybe you want to revisit what it is that you do, right? Um, and, and, but may, maybe not. If the point of, and this is, where, this is where, again, where everyone needs to decide the value for themselves, right? So if the point of your church is simply to be a, simply to be um, a religious institution which has meetings at a specific time, and that's all. There's nothing wrong with that because one might hope then, of course, that what they learn from that is what they take out into the world. That's the point of gathering as a church, right? It's not just about um, worshiping a god. It's about what you learn from that mm -hmm. and what you learn from Jesus and the various stories and the things and that you then go and live that in the world, right? It's meant to to empower you to live that way, right? Um, and... Uh, uh, but but if part of what you're doing as a community of faith, big emphasis on community and emphasis on putting your faith into action, is to bring to the community more than just that place that some people in the community go to on a Sunday morning, and that's the only time it's open. Um, if it's to bring more, um, then, then you are living out that faith through what you as a faith community do, mm -hmm. right? So... Um, in that in that instance, um, you're not just a place where people gather at a specific time to do a specific thing um, that is their thing. Um, you're a place where anyone is welcome. You're a place where, and, and not that you might not be to the, the service either, by the way, but it's a place where anyone is welcome at any time um, because it's a place of safety. It's a place of community. It's a place that offers things. Um, to the community. It's a place that uh, lives out what it's learning in that hour or two or whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Um, and and that's, that's where a church really brings value to the community. Whether, whether everyone in the community goes there on Sunday morning or not, whether it's the only church in the community or not, it doesn't matter. Um, it's about that particularly community of faith bringing their faith alive in the community. Yeah. Oh, that's so well said. And I think once you, once you establish yourself as a place where that happens, like once you become known for that, um, and are telling the story of the good that's happening, it does inspire people to want to support it through whatever gifts they're able to share. I hope so. And by the way, we're in the hope business. Um, yes, we are. Yeah, it, 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 that's right. I use the word hope and business in the same sen sentence, and in fact, connected them because because they are like uh, I think that's that's exactly what this this uh, story I think is meant to move. Whether it's exactly about this or not, or whether you want to dissect it, I think what it's meant to do is move you to understanding that our relationship with currency um, is is flawed. Uh, and and it's difficult and it's challenging and and we can we can very easily be sucked into um, oh I have money I must have more I must have more mm -hmm. I must have more um, oh I love the money 
what are you doing with that money? It doesn't matter. I love the money. Yeah. It, it, yes, it does matter. And, and what's really key is your relationship to how you, how you, how you gain your currency and how you use it, use it, yeah. um, which is the two sides to this parable. How does the, the manager gain dishonesty? Yeah. But that's how he gains his money. But then what happens, how is it used? Right. What, what, what happens after that? And and that's where Jesus raises a question of what's you can't serve God and money. Yeah. If it's all about the money, you're not you're not. And and where's your heart? And and again, this is one of those moments where I wish there was like, uh, I, I wish. Uh, okay, so if Jesus were here, and we could have a conversation with Jesus, um, I I think I think I can't speak for Jesus obviously, but I think what Jesus would then say is, um, when I say serve God. What I mean is, I don't mean bring bring your money to church and lay it upon the altar in ceremony. Yeah, burn, burn all those hundred dollar yeah. bills as a sacrifice to. Right, I don't mean that. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean um, if you're a far, if you're a farmer, for instance, I don't mean bring all your cattle to church, divide them into four pieces, and offer them as a burnt offering at the altar. You, you know, like the the, the Old Testament you know, uh... Old Testament way. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. What I mean is to serve God is to live the love that is in you with other people. To serve God is to care for others. To serve God is to find that your joy and happiness actually comes from your interaction with others and the manner in which uh, we we care and share with each other. That's where the true joy Mm -hmm. comes from. The true joy comes from not how much can we get out of the land, but ensuring that the land continues to prosper. Yeah. Right, um, stewarding creation right yeah. from the soil to our communities yeah. to our bodies. That's what I mean by serving God. I think is what Jesus yeah. would say. Um, and serving money is simply about worshiping it as an idol, as the ob- it's, object. Itself. It's the object, right? Um, and which is which is an interesting. That's an interesting contrast, right? Mm-hmm. Is that on the one hand, serving money means to hold it up as an idol, but to serve God doesn't mean to hold God up as an idol. It means to live into the the good that is in us and to to uh, to love others as I have showed you to love, says yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um which is which is uh which is kind of the whole point of Jesus, I'm would, pretty sure. I, I, that's what I kinda get from it as well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, again it's it's uh um it's for for all of the stories and all of the. It, 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 this is another one of those things about being church. Being church isn't sitting listening to somebody tell you what this means, so that you will then go out and do it yourself. And do it right. And do it right because you're going to be tested and judged, judged by me, um, not Jesus, by me. Um, it doesn't mean that. It means. Uh, that what we learn and and share and talk about, um, we then individually have a part in that, and then we individually have a part in living that out, mm-hmm. both as a community of faith and as a person in the community, right? And and there there shouldn't really be from my this is just my opinion, but there shouldn't be any real difference between those two things. By the way, right? So so what I mean by that is. Um, when you live out that out as a member of the community of faith, that's the community of faith in action. You shouldn't need to say, 
let's do a prayer first, or uh, I'll give you this. I'll give you this food hamper if you praise Jesus with me. Um, if you come to or, church on Sunday, yeah, come to church on Sunday, and you get. I was actually just having a joke with somebody a few minutes ago about um, the registering for a, a, a thing that was a class that was happening at the church. They were using using space at the church to do it, and and I was saying that you know instead of paying a registration fee, we could always just make them come to church on Sunday morning. Ha ha ha. <laughs> And I truly mean that as a joke, but there are lots of places that don't. Um, and 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 but that's the thing is that as a community of faith, it is it, there's two sides to that. Part of it is yes, truly you need to share the story, the good news. That's what evangelism is, right? Sharing the good news. But are you being helpful by sharing that good news by ramming the story down somebody's throat in a situation where they have no choice but to take it? And no interest or, in it. Are you serving? Are you serving the good news better by living it and showing people what it really means, so that maybe they'll go, "Hmm, uh, where did you learn that?" Yeah. Or how do you know to do that? Why are you so happy? Why are you happy about that? <laughs> um, and then you can share why, right? Yeah. And the other piece is that when you go out in the community, as a person in the community, a person of faith in the community, it doesn't mean. And, and this is where this is a truly a factor in politics. It doesn't mean that you say, you know, uh, I am uh, uh, I, I, I am president because God wants me to be president. Um, you don't say stuff like that. You don't even imply stuff like that. You simply live the good that you are meant to do, right? Um, and and that's that's the fine line between church and state, isn't it? Is that it's it's. Uh, it's not, and I think that's what the different the separation part is. Yeah. It doesn't mean that everything you learn as someone who uh, it belongs to a community of faith or as a follower of Jesus or any any religion for that matter, it doesn't mean that you don't use what you've learned. It it, it means that in in being a person of faith in the community, you are living it out and demonstrating it not simply proselytizing, right? You're Absolutely. not simply um, saying you have to believe this or you need to know this or God says this, so you better. It's not that at all. Um, I was just, this, uh, I was just watching John Goodman being interviewed and he's in this, there's a new show called The Righteous Gemstones. Okay. It's, it's about a family of televangelists. Oh yeah. And he's the dad. <laughs> and he talks about, he talks about um, the power of preaching yeah. Um, and 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 how he can really get into it. It's really because like he's a natural. I think he says he's a natural hand bone or something. But he and it's it, it, and they were they, the he and the interview were talking about the the power of the moment when you're preaching is you know part of it is I'm telling you what God told me to tell you. That's part of the power. Part of the power is also the personal magnetism, the personal power, right? Yeah. Um, and and. Uh, it, 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 that's that's not what you take into the community. You, you just you, you just don't. What you take into the community is Jesus said I should love you the way I uh, Jesus showed up, showed me to love, and I'm going to do that. Right. So you go and do it. You, you you don't need to say Jesus told me. Yeah. In fact, if you need to say Jesus told me, you probably didn't learn it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. You your mention of. Um presidents that feel like they've been ordained by by god himself it just made me think of uh something really funny that elise said last night when i was getting her ready for bed she she i love the way children especially at her age um will just 
speak whatever pops into their mind and there's no rhyme or reason to it. So this came out of completely nowhere, as usual, with her. She was getting into the bath and she said, Dad, I don't mean Miss Trunchbull, like the headmistress from Matilda, which we're doing yeah. in Basha right now. She said, I don't mean Trunchbull. I mean that nah, it, it sounds like Trunchbull, but it's the guy that's the, like, ah. Uh, and I think she was trying to think of the word president. And eventually we got to the point where I realized, I figured out that she meant, oh, Trump. And she's like, yeah, him. I don't know why Jesus did, but I think Jesus, like, made him the way he is, even though he's really angry and mean to people. <laughs> and I thought, what makes a seven-year-old go from talking about whatever she was talking about before, playing on the playground or something, to all of a sudden philosophizing and wondering about why Donald Trump is the way he is and how even someone like that is made by God and we just yeah. should accept. Well, uh, uh, yeah. Just, just accept she's, and love people. She's been spending too much time with her Auntie Lori. Um, <laughs> because, no, not, and, and Kane, but, but there are, there, that actually is a really interesting uh, and and Laurie, I just talked about it a lot. Um, th that's an interesting way of seeing things. Is is do we see people who challenge us as something that's in the way, or do we see it as something that is meant to be there in order to challenge us to to either greater or better or more good? That's a great question. Things, right? Um, and so there are there are I'm I'm sure people who although you know that's kind of a bit of an extreme thing, but 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 there are people who see. Uh, um, Trump as being uh, being president as being um, I don't want to say a good thing. I just sorry that just leaves me a bad taste in my mouth. But as being a good thing um, because it it does a number of things. First of all, it draws out the fact that for those people who thought things were going really well with race relations in the U.S., no, they're not. They were just buried and now they're out. So are we going to deal with it and address it or not? Mm -hmm. um, it also causes people who uh, perhaps uh, in the past didn't feel like they had a voice. Now they feel like they have a voice and they're expressing it, which is great because uh, it allows for the people who know vehemently that that's not right to challenge them. Um, and it, and it brings so, a lot of stuff to the surface. Unfortunately, it also does it. If, if only it were able to do it in a context where we could um, – uh, address it more pastorally and a little less confrontationally um, and ag angrily. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, that would be better, um, but unfortunately, that's not the case. So, um, but there are people who, you know, things happen. Uh, it's the things happen for a reason, right? Uh, and whether you think that, whether you call that God or whether you call that, you know, the power of the universe or or karma or you know any of those expressions, um, it, it all relates back to frankly, what I would call God, which is the manner in which we're connected. Mm -hmm. um, it's the, the love which connects us. Um, it's just that we don't always get all the way back to the love part. We stop just short of the love part where we can still be angry because somehow that makes us feel powerful, I guess. I don't know. But but that's, that's yeah, again, that's uh, uh, a, a little wisdom from a little person. Um, and, and in fact, uh, her... her uh, 
connection of Trump to trench bull is really quite for if you if you're somebody who hasn't read Matilda, you should, um, <laughs> and then you'll totally get it. Never mind um, the names being similar. Yeah, um, the the personalities are definitely similar too. Um, but uh, it, it, again, um, you know, what's the true value there? Right. I think Jesus is always calling us, I think, to to look for what's the tr- well, first of all, two key words there, true, what's true and and what's the truest value there um, uh, is is the uh, um, is, is there value, in fact, uh, in being challenged uh, to do better, to do more, to do good, to to make the world a better place. Mm. I sure hope so. Yeah, I do too. And like you said, we're in the hope business. We we have to remain yeah. hopeful that um, all of us can, in our own way, by responding to what inspires each of us, what's important to each of us, can do what we can in our tiny little amount of time that we have here yeah. to be part of stewarding all of this creation. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's leave it there, Robin. And um, I really appreciate your thoughts on this. It's been Thank something that this topic's been on my mind a lot the last little while, so I'm glad that we talked about it today. And thanks for the coffee. You're always welcome. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us this week on the Six Ways from Sunday podcast, everyone. I hope that there was something this week in the conversation that left you feeling inspired, hopeful, or encouraged. And until next time, be well. <laughs>